Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we are having our special VIP second time guest on the Plant Powered People podcast, Colleen Patrick Goudreau. She really doesn't need an introduction because her work is so fantastic, but I will give you a very brief introduction. She is the author of our favorite cookbook, The Joy of Vegan Baking. It was the first cookbook that Michelle and I both purchased way, 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 way back when. And she has become a really good friend of ours. We did an episode with her already on being zero waste. And she's just a wealth of knowledge. I'm excited to jump into something that's a little bit different for this podcast, which is composting. I'm really into gardening. So talking about composting was such a delight for me. This is one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded to date. I'm just, I feel so inspired. I'm so excited for you all to listen. In this episode, we dive into what is composting, the benefits of composting, just different types of composting, worm cost composting. Is that even vegan to use worms, different types of compost bins. And my favorite part about this episode is we really talk about different creative ways that even if you can't have a compost in your own in your own yard or you don't have a yard or a garden, there's a lot of ways that you can still find usefulness in those food scraps so that they don't have to go in the garbage bin, whether you're going to compost in your yard or find another place where you can drop it off, find a friend, or there's also like some really cool new kitchen compost bins that are coming to life. Not bins, but compost systems that will in a matter of hours, take your food scraps and turn it into compost. So all these cool things are coming to life. It's a really exciting time for composting. And it's becoming a thing that if you don't know about it, and you're not trying it or doing something on the compost front, do you really care about the planet? I'm just kidding. No pressure. I don't compost yet. But I feel really inspired to and hopefully you will too after this episode. But first, we would like to thank our sponsors, Better Than Bullion, who you know and love and we know and love very well. We've talked a lot about how we use them in soups and stews and curries, but it's very versatile. And one way I use it so often is to bring some complexity to normal staples like quinoa and rice and other grains that absorb the flavor. And I just follow the instructions and add a teaspoon of paste to one cup of water when I'm cooking my grains and it cooks perfectly. And then you can add in some frozen veggies or fresh veggies and make a full meal and even add in some tofu. It's so easy, great flavor and not a lot of effort. I love that. You can also use it in stir fries. Like when you're stir frying up some veggies, I often don't even measure. I just take a little little scoop (laughs) and add it to my stir fries. You can do that instead of soy sauce or instead of other flavorings. It is just packed with yumminess and absolutely love it. Another reason I love Better Than Bouillon is sustainability. If you are trying to be more sustainable, one of the easiest shifts you can make in your life is to no longer buy cartons of soup. That is mostly water. You're not only paying for the water, but there's also a ton of packaging involved in packaging up soup broth. And most of that is not even recyclable. So instead, you can turn to a bouillon, like better than bouillon, which is packaged in glass containers. There's like 38 servings per one glass container. 
And it's a great way to have a simple swap that doesn't cost you any more money. In fact, it costs you less money. You save money. You're saving the planet. You're saving room in your cupboard. You don't have to carry as many heavy things from the grocery store. It's really a win, 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 win. And we absolutely adore them. Yes, you can check them out at most grocery stores in the soup aisle or on their website, betterthanbullion.com. We also want to say a big thank you to Petal, our other sponsor. Petal is an amazing flower essence infused sparkling water. It's sweetened with agave very lightly and they use fruit and vegetable juice to like color them a little bit. They use organic flower extracts. It's just a really cool way to raise your vibe. That's their tagline, but also to have a really enjoyable sparkling water experience. And if you listen to this podcast, you know, Tony and I We love our sparkling water. We love it big time. (laughs) This company, Petal, has a lot of flavors. They have Original Rose, which is one of my favorites, Elderberry White Tea, Peach Marigold, Lemongrass Dandelion, Lychee Rose, and Mint Rose. And something I appreciate as a person who doesn't consume a lot of caffeine is that they are caffeine-free. We don't do soda in our house. So this gives me that bubbly comfort that I am so familiar with. I grew up drinking soda. And now that I'm on my health life, my be- living my best healthy life, this provides me a great carbonated experience that is so familiar. Not only that, but it's also packed with powerful antioxidants, which is pretty cool. And the founder, Candice, she was on a vision to revive ancient elixirs and ingredients globally nor known around the world just to just deliver this enjoyable and beautiful, refreshing drink. The packaging is gorgeous. You've got to check them out. You can find them on Instagram at drinkpedal or their website is just drinkpedal.com. P-E-T-A-L, drinkpedal. You've got to check them out. We love them. Hi, Colleen. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. <laughs> Hi, ladies. Good to talk to you again. You are the only guest in the history of our podcast, who we have had on two times. We love you big time over here. I'm so honored. I love you both so much. Thank you. So we're going to do things a little bit differently than we usually do. We have had Colleen as a guest, and I'll link that in the show notes. So we're going to jump right into what we want to talk about today, which is composting. Composting is something that I learned about through Colleen, and I started my compost journey through her podcast episode, which we'll also link in the show notes. But because she is so knowledgeable and well-spoken on this subject, we wanted to share her with our audience at the Pound Power People podcast. So Colleen, can you start us off with the very, very, very basic, what is composting? Mm. So compost basically means uh, mixture. (laughs) That's what compost means. And Really what it is, is converting really, I mean, I don't want to get too technical this quickly, but converting carbon and nitrogen, basically food, converting food into nutrients that are then taken up by the soil and enriches the soil. And why do we need rich soil? Because we grow things and because we need microorganisms to keep soil healthy and that's one of the ways we replenish the soil is by adding nutrients to it by way of compost. So, so there's, you know, we have this notion that food breaks down and it does, right? We talk about food as biodegradable, compostable, and, and, and it is, but it requires certain conditions. So if you just put 
a banana peel, which is technically compostable and biodegradable in a landfill, it's going to rot. It's not going to compost. But if you take that banana peel and you put it in the conditions under which it then is converted into nutrients, and mostly that's through microorganisms or it could be through worms, uh, then it actually is broken down and can be used to add nutrients to the soil. So that's the big difference. And, and I'm saying this because we, we really do think that if we just put our biodegradable food waste in the garbage, that if it's brought to the landfill, it's going to break down. But in fact, what happens is the opposite is that it rots. And as we talked about probably a little bit in the former episode, is that it actually creates greenhouse gases. And one of the most potent greenhouse gases it creates is methane. Not good and not something we all believe we contribute to, especially those of us who are vegetarian or vegan. We think we're not contributing to greenhouse gases. Of course, all of us are by being alive. But of course, we're contributing to greenhouse gases if we're wasting our food and throwing our food in the garbage, period, full stop. So what's a better way to uh, utilize our food and value it is to make use of it. And, and composting is the best way to do that. I love that. That's a misconception that I carried with me for a long time. I thought anytime I threw food or just natural natural whole food waste into the garbage, I'm like, ah, I carry no shame with this. Like it'll just biodegrade over time. And same thing with like even paper that didn't get recycled and I just put in the garbage can. I just think eh, it goes back into the earth, but it is a, a good reality check to realize that that's, that's not so much how it goes. Yeah, it needs the conditions. So that so there yeah. there are there are conditions it needs, and it's very simple. It, you don't have to be an expert in this. It so n- number one, you need food, which I mentioned earlier, carbon and nitrogen, and we'll talk about those specific things. These are the components that organisms need um, in order to do their job. Number one, food in the form of carbon and nitrogen, and a balance between the two. And I'll just make it even simpler for you. Carbon is brown, nitrogen is green. Carbon brown is like paper, cardboard, toilet paper rolls. We'll talk more about that. Uh, Leaves and nitrogen is green. So think vegetables, all of the things we have in our kitchens that when when we have veggie scraps. Number two, oxygen. And number three, water or moisture. So that's it. You do food, oxygen, and moisture. Food, air, and water. That's it. That's awesome. It makes it sound so simple. And I know it's a little more complicated than that. And we will dive into that. But before we do, I want to pick your brain a little bit about the benefits of composting. And I know there's a lot about sustainability and you live and breathe this in your own life, living a mostly zero waste lifestyle. So can you talk a little bit about the benefits and why someone would consider making the effort to really make sure that their food scraps are going back into being useful for our planet? Well, that's, you just said it. I mean, the idea, I mean, one of the biggest revelations for me when I started this journey on, you know, the zero waste journey and sustainability was the idea that I didn't need a plastic liner in my garbage can in my kitchen. Because honestly, when I went zero waste, you know, you're thinking zero waste, plastic free, right? All these ways that I had plastic and using plastic and how can I replace the plastic? And I thought, oh, okay, if I replace the plastic in my garbage can in my, in my kitchen, then I'll look for one of those biodegradable, you know, kind of green plastic liners, right? Bio bags or whatever we call them. And I realized, well, if I'm not throwing food away, I don't need plastic. I don't need anything lining my garbage can. I know this sounds really simple. This was like so revelatory to me. It was like earth shattering (laughs) because the only reason garbage smells is because we throw food in it. 
most of the garbage, unfortunately, in my in my garbage can now is mostly packaging. You know, I order things online or things you just don't expect to have packaging. You're like, how did this happen? So it's mostly plastic, but there's no food. It doesn't smell. I don't need air fresheners. I don't need I don't need plastic liners, and we don't. We basically have uh, the the can that goes inside of the stainless steel kind of cover, right? So it's kind of attractive looking. And then we pull that black, thick black plastic liner out. That's it, like just just the can. And that's what we just bring down to our, well, respective bins, uh, garbage bin and, uh, you know, recycling bin. And then the green bin we have here in Oakland, we do have a municipal compost green waste and it's both combination of kitchen waste and also yard waste. So we're very lucky in that way. But that was revelatory to me because I used to throw out food and for the same reason, Michelle, and you know, and and even this, right? I figured if it was going down the garbage disposal in the sink, oh, that's just that's fine. Like that's not garbage. It's going Wait, it's not? Well, no, of course <laughs> it is, but, so, but that's no, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Like, oh well, it's going in the garbage disposal, so that's better. It's not better. It still goes to the. It goes to a place that has to manage the crap that I put in either in my garbage can or down my sink. So the only thing that goes down our sink now, it. it I mean, we do have cats, and so if they don't lick their plates clean, then that does go into the garbage disposal in our sink, and you know we wash it through. But that's it. Otherwise, all of our food goes into either our compost pail and, and then our compost tumblers, and we'll talk about that, or in the city's green bins that we're lucky enough to use. So what's the benefit? The benefit is that I'm not contributing to methane going into a landfill, creating conflict with wildlife and animals who smell the garbage, either in a dump or in my own uh, garage where I have our, our garbage can. So there's no conflict with wildlife. I'm not creating greenhouse gases. I'm not wasting money, not throwing money down the drain, quite literally. I'm using everything I have. I'm actually eating the calories that I buy. It's more efficient. It's more resourceful. And then what the benefit, the, the other benefit, especially if you're using your own compost that you created in your own garden, then you're actually enriching the soil in your own garden. But if you don't have a garden, you can also like, you can, I mean, if you put something out on a neighborhood listserv or Chris Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or your local Facebook, what next door, people will take your compost. So even if you don't have a garden, there's lots of ways to um, pass it on to somebody else. So those are some of the benefits of composting. You can also put it in your house plants. True, uh, yeah. And make them really happy. <laughs> uh, also, I have officially learned something big time in this episode because I did not know that when I put my food down the drain, it was going to be treated in the same way as if I were to have thrown it in the trash. So thank you, Colleen. I have learned my big thing for the day. Well, I mean, it's like it's like that that idea that there's no away when we throw something away. Like, what did we think happened to this stuff? It doesn't magically just like evaporate, right? And I mean, again, I was guilty of this too. I thought of, I thought that too. Like, I just didn't think about it. I should say, but it has to go somewhere, and it goes to a treatment plant to to take care of all the again just the crap that I'm throwing down <laughs> down the drain. What types of compost are there? There's lots of ways to think about. There's way, different ways to think about compost. So if it means that we're enriching the soil with nutrients from organic matter, of course, one of one kind of compost is 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 that which is created from 
animal waste from animal poop. And there are a lot of people who would say, you know, who farm, who would, you know, with animal products would say that, that their poop enriches the soil. Well, that's true, but so does like wildlife's poop. Like, I mean, like we don't have to farm animals to get nutrient rich poop from vegetarians because these are all herbivores, obviously, whose poop is enriching the soil, carnivores too, but mostly herbivores. But I don't do that. I don't think you do that. I mean, if I had chickens, you know, if I had rescued chickens, we could use their poop. So that's, that is something you can do. Um, so that's one way to enrich the soil. The, another way is through another kind of animal called a worm. Their uh, little poop, their, their poop um, is one of the fastest ways and easiest ways to convert the food into nutrients through their poop because they eat so fast. Then the third way would be through food, but and that's done through microorganisms. So they're all animals. They're all some kind of animal life that's actually breaking this down for us. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, how we want to go about it. So either the vegetables that the animals are eating gets broken down through their digestive system, and then that gets put out through right through their waste, and then that goes into the soil. That's one way. Number two is through the worms again eating that organic matter, breaking it down through their poop or putting into a compost bin or pile, and then microorganisms are breaking it down. So in all ways, it's being broken down by microorganisms, but they need those conditions. They need the conditions of oxygen and water. Sorry, Tony. Did I just blow your mind? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. It brings me back to another benefit. I mean, something needs to be added to the soil, and I'm just starting to get into gardening, and I'm realizing the biggest hindrance to me is it's really expensive to buy soil, and it's really expensive to buy nutrients to add to soil, especially if you're looking for something that is like vegan or veganic gardening or anything like that, and you don't want animal products in the situation. I can barely find a soil that's appropriate at Home Depot or wherever that is vegan and also doesn't include chemicals. And so to be able to create your own compost is a dream of mine. It's not something I'm doing yet. So I I eagerly tune in to episodes like this one we're creating now for all the tips because I plan to soon. But the, the greatest benefit, you're saving money. You are creating your own and you know what's going into it, especially if you're buying high quality produce without pesticides and all of that. Like you're creating your own, you can create your own organic compost. And then you have that you can use right for your plants. It's like a, it's like a whole cyclical system that doesn't require additional money constantly coming in in order to grow your plants. Absolutely. I mean, what you're talking about is a closed loop system. I mean, that is literally what we're talking about here. So you are bringing, you know, exactly what's going into the compost pile, you know, what's coming out of it. And, you know, you're not buying all the plastic as well, because it's true. It, 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 it is possible to find compost that doesn't have animal products in it. And I can, we can talk about some tips around that, but it's, it's more than that because Ultimately, when I'm getting things for the garden to enrich different plants, I'm getting single nutrients, just like we, if we are deficient in a particular mineral or nutrient, we take kind of single nutrients, right? If I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm deficient in B, you know, B12 or D, or I need to bump up my vitamin C, whatever it is, we can take those single nutrients. Well, that's the same thing with the plants. They either just need potassium or nitrogen or, or phosphorus, and you can buy those as single nutrients uh, as in the form of rock phosphate, in the form of gypsum, just there's different single nutrients, but compost is actually creating, I mean, it's basically like for us, a whole foods diet where we're getting all of the nutrients through all of the food. And we don't need to then do those single nutrients because it's so much more holistically inclusive. So it's just much more nutrient rich. So absolutely like that is a huge benefit of 
composting yourself at home is it's a totally closed loop system. And it really is satisfying. You feel really proud of yourself. You're really creating something because even though I'm saying it's easy, it does require uh, thought and it does require, you know, kind of checking it and, and making sure just like you're watching the soup on the stove, you just have to kind of make sure it's, it's going in the right direction. And there's lots of ways to tell that it's going in the wrong direction and it's easy to, to rectify it. But, um, but yeah, just with a couple things, knowing what you're doing, it's, it's, it's simple. That's awesome. As people are trying to decide what route they want to go for composting, knowing that worms are one option. I know a lot of people have the question of like, well, is that vegan? It's using worms. So have you looked into sort of the ethics, the sustainability, the different benefits and drawbacks to composting with worms versus other methods of composting? What recommendations or just advice do you have for people or just ways to to ease people's minds? Because we talk all the time about this on this podcast that perfection isn't, isn't a thing in the vegan space. So it's really looking at a comprehensive topic and just figuring out what creates the greatest good and the least amount of harm. Colleen, I'd like to yeah. add to that, mm-hmm. uh, that you mentioned chickens. Uh, if you have backyard chickens, that's that's one option. But also, I know people who have bunnies and they use their bunny soiled hay to put on top of their garden as mulch. And I'm curious to hear your your thoughts on using what you have and what is waste from an animal to make your garden healthier. I thought you were going to say they use their bunnies as a composter because, I mean, I think a lot of people do. (laughs) I did when I had a bunny. (laughs) Exactly. You feed all of the extra lettuce that you're not going to eat and all the greens. They're like little composters. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, they really are. It's true. I mean, look, what, what goes in must come out. And so, you know, am I exploiting a rabbit by, you know, by using the poop or am I exploiting that rabbit who I love and am taking care of by using their hay on my garden. That's not how I see it. And if you go down that road, then you really, I think then we really are getting really far away from, there are some relationships and systems that we share with other animals that we should and can honor without hurting anybody. That's the point is that, is anybody harmed in, in this process? And I don't see any harm in that. When it comes to worms, I know that people... Um, you know, there are some people who don't think it's ethical to have worms. Let me tell you something I got. Okay. So if we're talking about the kinds of bins, you know, or I I have to say pile as well, because you could have a compost pile in your backyard. If you have a big space, you can have a whole, like a whole area just cordoned off, uh, you know, with some wood, just kind of make it a pile. So you could do a pile. One of the um, benefits is that if you have a large enough space, you can just kind of throw it in the back part of your yard and, and just throw greens and different scraps. The, the downside is that you have to stir it by hand. And if it gets pretty large, it gets harder to break down because anything we're talking about, all of the matter that we're talking about, whether it's green matter or brown matter, remember nitrogen is green, carbon is brown. So whether it's green matter or brown matter, it's going to break down faster the smaller it is. So if you just kind of throw everything into a big pile, it's going to take longer to break down and you have to stir it because you have to create oxygen for it. But it also welcomes critters. 
And so if you don't want conflict and you don't want animals getting into your, your compost, then maybe a pile isn't right for you. But when we're talking about the other kinds of compost bins, I have tumblers. There are other kinds as well. The worms just found their way in. Now, there are specific kinds of worms that tend to be used for different worm bins. There are um, red wigglers or um, earthworms. But, but, you know, we have one of our tumblers. The worms got in. I feel bad because it's a tumbler and I do have to tumble it. Like that's how I actually create the oxygen is by turning the tumbler. But the worms don't love that. They actually don't love to be tumbled. Who loves to be tossed about? Like who would love to be tossed about, right? But the point is, in some cases, the worms will just get in because this is what worms do. Uh, and then the third way is to obviously purchase them. Now, there are different ways to purchase worms for either um, a regular composter or compost bin or a verma uh, compost, which is which literally means worm composter. So if you're doing worm composting, then you can go to a, a nursery, a garden store and, and have worms. You could probably just ask, to be honest, you could ask a neighbor if they have worms in their compost bin. They, I mean, they would, and they procreate very quickly. I personally probably, you know, a line that I would draw would be maybe like not buying worms from a fishing store. Like, they would have red wigglers, but like, I don't know, that's my line. That's what I wouldn't do. But do I have a problem with, you know, taking worms from a neighbor's compost bin, putting them into my worm composting set, condo, uh, if you will, and having them do their job, which is basically eat and poop. That's what worms do. And that's what worms love. Worms. I, I get so happy when I cut up like certain things. Like I'll keep the tops of strawberries specifically for the worms. I know Paul, Tony, I know he uses the uh, strawberry tops probably in his smoothies because they are rich in antioxidants and nutrients. And it's true, but I actually like cutting the tops off of my strawberries to put in my worm bin because I know they love, they, they have a sweet tooth. They love well, they have teeth, but they do. They love the strawberry tops. Do I think I'm harming them? No, they're very happy. And then their poop creates the compost that um, makes the soil um, very happy and healthy. So, I mean, that's kind of my, you know, some people criticize vegans for like not going far enough. Some people criticize vegans for going too far. You cannot win. No one, you'll never win. There's always going to be someone to criticize you. In the end, you have to find what your own line is and where you're comfortable. And if you know that you're doing the best thing that you can do and you're not creating harm and you're doing the best you can, I think that's what it's all about. I think it's also really helpful to keep in mind, I know a lot of people really beat themselves up if they're using an animal in any way or worms in any way. And I think what you said is going to be so helpful, but it's also good to keep in mind when you're just getting vegetables from the store, if you're, if you're buying produce, sure. I mean, that uh, compost was used, compost was created somehow, and I'm not sure what systems are used, mm -hmm. but I'm guessing it is not keeping the best interests of animals and other other life forms in mind. So I don't know if you if you know anything about that, but that usually if you're going to do something yourself and treat it with care and be thoughtful about it, it's it's almost always going to be better than the other alternative. I actually have a lot of thoughts on this because it's something that I went back and forth on for quite some time and as I mentioned Colleen was so helpful in my journey and helping me decide what's good for our family and I ended up going with a very controversial as a vegan route of buying worms. They sell worms at the local nursery and I bought some. And usually people who are starting a worm a worm bin start with a few thousand worms. I bought just 
couple hundred, uh, which is not a lot. And they bred very quickly. I think they reproduce every 60 days. They double in size. And sorry, their population doubles in size of red wiggler worms. And when I was figuring out what was going to be good for us was I don't believe in perfectionism. I believe in doing the least amount of harm. And we were throwing, Michelle does not like this. Colleen probably does not like this either. We were throwing our food waste in the waste bin that the city provides us with, even though you're probably not allowed to. We did it anyway because it was better than throwing it in the landfill. We thought it has a better chance of uh, decomposing. And so that was weighing on us. And then the other part is that I know a good amount about the food system. I'm constantly learning things that are horrific to me about how big farms that are creating the produce that I'm eating are harming animals. And so I have started to grow a lot of my own food. I would say that we grow most of our produce these days. And I'm very proud of that. But the thing that Michelle mentioned about cost and then what Colleen mentioned about the environmental impact of buying things that are packaged in big giant packages, if I'm buying a lot of it, a plastic waste also weighed on me. So after all of the research, listening to Colleen's podcast, weighing out how I could do the least amount of harm, I found something that was suitable for us, which is called a sub pod. And the sub pod you put in your garden bed and it allows the worms to come in and out and the beds are bottomless. So they can go in the ground, they can come and be within the bed, or they can be in the part where you put the food. And if you create a hospitable environment, they like it. And we think of them as our animal companions. They're free to leave whenever they... My dog's not free to leave whenever he wants, but the worms are free to leave whenever they want. They stay because we feed them really high quality food and they create wonderful soil. And I feel so good about what it's doing for our environmental impact. That is so cool. I don't, I just looked that up because I wasn't familiar with that. And I love that. So the benefit really in this particular thing is that it's just, it's within the garden itself. So, so if they crawl out, they're in soil if they leave the actual pod. Is that, is that right? Yes. They can go underground. They can go in a different bed. We have a lot of wood chips piled up around where they like to be and they love the wood chips. So I can see a lot of them in wood chips if I move them, if I move some wood chips around and they really just go in and out of the bin as they want to and in and out of the bed as they want to as well. I love that. No, I love that. And you know, again, we, everyone has their own line. I can see that. I can see what this looks like. That's incredible because then there are also probably some of them who are leaving, and it's just dropping the poop uh, right into the into the soil. These kinds of worms. One of the reasons they're used often for worm bins is because when I say used, I mean like this is. It's basically matching their environment and their habits with our needs. And it's because they actually aren't migratory. They stay really pretty much in this in an area with all of their community. It's not like they want to go miles and miles <laughs> like from my home. They want to be where it's safe, where it's warm, where they have resources, where they have food. And I think it's great. So I'm going to look into the sub pot, Tony, because honestly, you know, we used the tumbler when we were really growing a lot of our own food and we're not doing it as much as we used to. And we're not doing it certainly as much as you. We were pros. I mean, we were champs and we had like three, I still have like three tumblers because the worms, I really love 
I love worm composting. I actually am looking at getting something else. The tumblers are great. um, And especially starting from like virgin, ironically, they do recommend that you start with some kind of compost (laughs) because that kind of kicks everything off. But if, if you just have some soil from the garden, that's fine to start with. Then the worms really, you know, should stay away and just the microorganisms. And there's macroorganisms too. There are some larger insects that actually play a role in this, in this process as well. But I feel bad because this one particular tumbler that the, um, the worms are, there's so many, there's just so many. <laughs> I just know they don't love being tossed around. So I'm looking at different options, but this, and there are so many options. There are people who live in apartments who have different uh, worm compost, uh, like condos towers. they're called, right? Towers. And you just pull, you know, the worms are up top. They drop their poop. You pull that tray out and then the worms go a little lower. Their poop drops again. You pull that out. I mean, it's just this great little system. They're happy. They're getting food. They're warm. They're safe. No one's harming them. And you're getting this rich compost. So you can do that in an apartment. You can do that in a, on a balcony. You don't have to have a yard. Like I said, even if I had a large space, I don't think I would still do a pile. I mean, maybe some people do piles of just mostly brown waste, like carbon yard waste, uh, if, who have large properties. But I still like the idea of more of using um, microorganisms and worms rather than just like a big pile in the backyard. I also wanted to add to what you said. You said, ask a neighbor. I have gotten really into my Facebook local gardening groups. And once you find your people, if you Mm -hmm. are interested in gardening more and making your own compost, there are people who are happy to share. As I mentioned, the worms reproduce at a very, very fast rate. And having someone give you just a, a little container full of worms from their own worm bin and they will reproduce and create a lot of good soil in your own garden. And if you just feed them what they like, high quality produce. And it's so funny because I joke that our worms are whole foods plant-based. So we don't give them oil or salt or sugar or anything like that. Only good produce. And we're constantly Googling, do our worms like this? And and so we cut the thing, we cut the parts off that they don't like and for a while, we were grinding it up, but now we're cutting it really. F- so anyway, finding your people will help you if you're feeling uncomfortable with buying worms. People will give you worms. I see it happen yeah. all the time in our local group. For sure. hundred percent. hundred percent. And actually, just let's just focus on a little bit of what you said regarding the size of the waste, whether you're talking about, or I should say the food, really the, the organism, the organic material, which can come in the form of brown or green, as we said. And it's true. You can either, you can blend it, you can puree it, you can chop it up really finely. Uh, you can just chop it up coarsely, but the smaller it is that just the faster the worms or any microorganisms can break it down, as you can imagine. Same thing with the brown. So when we're talking about the brown waste, you know, one of the things I mentioned was, um, you know, toilet paper rolls, cardboard. I mean, there's cardboard everywhere all the time. Those are two of the best um, c- kinds of brown brown materials. Uh, You can ask neighbors to keep brown cardboard boxes to give to you. Uh, You can break those down. Like I said, leaves. But one of the things I do, and one of the things I got, especially when I I started composting again here at this house, is uh, I got a shredder. And so we have a shredder, not because we are trying to get rid of any private documents. (laughs) We're not trying to hide anything. We have a shredder specifically for paper. And that includes some paper that has ink, 
that is something to be to consider. There are like so many blog posts on just like, is it okay to use newspaper, you know, because of the ink in a compost, especially if the worms are going to eat it, is it okay? Typically I'm finding that it's okay, but I wouldn't put anything in my shredder that would be like plastic, obviously, or that would have glue on it, like an envelope or something like that. We have kind of a whole system in our house that when when we have paper, when we have a paper bag that we're not going to use or cardboard, I put it in the, David does this too. We put it in the shredder and that becomes the brown waste for the composters. And one way to think about it, again, you, you don't have to be rigid about it, but you want kind of more brown waste to green waste. One of the things we talked about earlier was if, if it starts rotting, you know, it's not composting because it smells. And so it just means that you need more brown, you need more dry, you need more carbon. If it's too wet, it's just going to stink and it's not going to compost. It needs some more brown. So you can toss some more brown. So one third green, two thirds brown. Again, you don't have to be rigid about it. But one of the things I do is since I have a compost pail on my countertop, one of the quick ways to just do that and kind of find that ratio is I actually take the shredded brown material from my shredder. It's in my office here. And then I put that at the bottom of the compost pail. And it's, you know, those cute little attractive, like stainless steel pails. It's just very convenient to keep it on our counter because of all of the scraps we have. We produce a lot of scraps. And this way, it not only immediately I'm getting brown into the mixture, it also means that I'm not putting a lot of wet stuff at the bottom of my compost pale, you know what I mean? Because it can get really kind of kind of gross. And you know, if I'm putting just a lot of wet stuff, even like tea leaves, I mean, like immediately then I'm putting something wet at the bottom and it's just harder to clean and it's just more annoying. It'll stick to it as I turn it upside down. So I put the shredded brown paper and then I just put all, then everything goes on top of it. And then when I put it in the compost bin, it's already kind of a combination of brown and green. So that's just a little tip that I picked up a long time ago. That's awesome. The other thing I wanted to mention is for those who don't compost and maybe aren't planning too soon, you can also do the flip-flop of what you're talking about. So I know you're suggesting go to other people and get their scraps and cardboard and whatnot. But if you don't compost and you have a neighbor who does, you can give them your even your, your food scraps. I have a neighbor across the street from me who actually approached me when we first moved in because we were getting all this furniture and big boxes and we had tons of cardboard coming in and they asked if they could have my cardboard. And at the time I was like, okay, this is a weird request, but sure. Thank you. I was just going to recycle it and feel bad about throwing so much stuff in the recycling bin. So that's been really nice. We continue doing that over time. And then I also, when I was walking, I saw someone who has a garden and does a lot of composting. And I was like, can I bring you my produce, Mm. like scraps? And they said, no, 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 that's fine. But I am on a mission. Like if I was not planning to, in the near future, start my own compost, I think I would really tune in to who around me does compost and maybe could use some more. I mean, you could just stick it in the freezer, right? It doesn't even have to be rotting on your countertop. You can put your your scraps in the freezer and then drop them off to someone and they don't stink, none of that. So I feel like if you can find creative solutions, even if you can't have your own compost, that's a great way to be a little more sustainable. Totally. And actually farmers uh, will often take it as well. You can go to farmer's markets and you can ask any of the farmers, I mean, just go from stand to stand at a farmer's market and ask any of them if you could bring their your vegetable waste to them. Some of them will take it as well. So try farmer's markets and, and food stands that, that you see. Garden centers sometimes do. Uh, universities. 
will wow. because there's, I mean, so one of the things that I did when I was in New Jersey, um, a few years ago, we were visiting family and, you know, different states and different cities, as we know, have different, uh, different systems. And we, where we were in New Jersey, when we were visiting family, they didn't have any compost at the Airbnb we were staying at. The idea of throwing food in the garbage, I will just say it was absolutely anathema to me. I felt I couldn't do it. And we had an Airbnb, so I was taking responsibility for the food we brought into the house because I was making dinners. And I just kept collecting, I just kept kept all of my food scraps in a plastic bag. I had a plastic bag with me and I kept them in the fridge, to your point, fridge, freezer. I, we were only there a few days. And we found a vegan restaurant in New Brunswick. It was a veggie burger. It was a vegan burger place. And we went there once. And then I went there, I forgot, I think I was talking to the owners and we were talking all about their green waste practices. And they were talking about how they bring their food waste to Rutgers University, their agriculture department, because they're, you know, they're training people on how to compost. So we were leaving and I, we were dropping by the burger place beforehand and I had already asked them, I said, listen, I know this sounds absolutely insane but I am saving my food scraps because I can't throw these in the garbage. I feel too bad. I said, we're going to be dropping by your place again before we leave to get a, some burgers for the air, for the airplane. And I said, um, bring my food waste to you and have it, you know, just added to what you're bringing over to Rutgers. And they said, absolutely. And I think Tony, you had met, I think Paul had told me that at one point, you were bringing some food waste to a restaurant, right? So restaurants are, are a possible source to bring some of your scraps. You just never know. Yes, we used to live right next to the co-op and they had a little cafeteria area and they had a space that's special for your food waste. And we would walk over there and (laughs) secretly dump our food waste in there. And I think that they would be okay with it because they're all about sustainability and would probably want to encourage people to not contribute to landfills. I think that it would be okay. But if anyone's listening from the Sacramento Food Natural Foods Co-op, thank you for helping us out. That is my favorite tip, Tony. I love that you did that. I think it's brilliant. It's so thrifty thinking. And it's thrifty not to save yourself money, to but to help the planet because you get nothing yeah. for it. You're going out of your way. to And also food scraps have a value. Compost mm-hmm. has a value. You know, there's va- that that's that's quality produce that can be turned into something else that can be used. So I just think that's so cool. Totally. It's gold. I mean, it's absolutely gold for anybody who, who farms or, or gardens. And, and so, yeah, I hope I didn't out you there. But also, um, I will say that more and more services... So I'm talking about Oakland here who ha- that has a very robust green waste program. I remember when the city of Oakland was starting this whole zero waste uh, initiative, and it was back in 2006. And it's all about reducing the amount of waste that goes into landfills. I don't know that they... Uh, they accomplished it because, um, because, well, because we throw so much away, but they, um, they, part of this initiative was them creating this incredible compost greenway system. So we've got a really robust system. However, in addition to municipal compost services, there's also private. So there are more and more private companies that are actually serving communities where you can pay. I mean, it might be $10 a month. That's not that much or $10 a week or whatever it is, whatever you think it's worth, uh, you not contributing to a dump and to greenhouse gases, then it's worth it. It would be worth it to me. I would pay for it if I didn't have my city picking it up. So 
I would encourage everyone to just do some searches around their area. The last time I looked, there was a website called compostnow.org and they might still be around and I think you could just put in your zip code and see if uh, they're around. But I think more and more places and more and more companies and more and more resourceful, innovative people are looking for ways to help people like us who care, who don't want to create more waste, um, find solutions. And if you can't afford that, what I was doing for a long time and which worked well for me, and I was not being as thoughtful as Colleen was saying earlier about making sure you have the right conditions. I was just trench composting. I was digging up a hole in little parts of my backyard and burying in the ground some of my produce waste. And I know that we had richer soil because I could see that we had worms, uh, earthworms. I believe it was eaten up pretty quickly. But still, if you don't have the $10 a month there are other ways for you to not throw your food away in the trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let's just talk a little bit about just before, you know, let's just talk about, let's eat the food that we buy and let's buy only the (laughs) food that we need, right? Because the reason we're throwing so much food away is because we're buying more than we need. We are getting tricked into sell-by dates and thinking that if something is past its sell-by date, we can't eat it. No, if it smells good and it tastes okay, it's fine, right? So smell it. When you're buying something, when you're buying new produce and new food, instead of pushing everything in the back and putting all the new stuff in front, swap it around so that all the stuff that you already have in your refrigerator gets eaten first and the stuff that you've just most recently bought is in behind that. So you eat it in some kind of order. People are turned off by leftovers. That's one of the reasons people also throw away uh, food so easily and constantly is because there's this aversion to to leftovers. Okay. Then if you have aversion to leftovers, you can go against my suggestion to make more than you need when you're making something, (laughs) Um, which is my suggestion for just, you know, making things easier when it comes to cooking. But if you're someone who doesn't tend to eat leftovers, then don't create leftovers for yourself. Then just make what you need when you're making dinner for yourself or your family or your loved ones and don't have uh, leftovers. If you're not grossed out by leftovers, which I'm not, I'm saying grossed out because this is what some people's perception is then freeze the food that you have left over and then just reheat it. And and maybe there isn't this factor of, oh, it's been in the fridge for a day. Oh, it's been in the fridge for three days. Oh, it's been in the fridge for four days. And then you don't eat it just because mentally you have this block. So there are all these ways that like psychologically and practically we can find, we can find solutions to actually not having so much food waste. And I'll say this too. I do, you know, you were talking about value, Michelle, that is absolutely something that I talk about a lot when it comes to zero waste and plastic free and sustainability, which is valuing what we have and only having what we value. So when we're talking about food scraps, before I even compost them, the first thing I do is make a vegetable stock out of them. So that's a way to take the vegetable scraps that you have because there are going to be inevitable uh, scraps if you're if you're cooking and obviously if you're eating loads of vegetables but before you throw before you compost them and put them uh, throw them in the compost bin or, or pile etc uh, make use of that those vegetable scraps first make a vegetable stock from them and then you can compost the vegetables they're going to be wet now which is fine but you're going to want to consider that maybe balance it a little bit more with some brown but uh, but now you're getting like multiple uses out of the vegetable scraps as opposed to just composting them, you're getting some vegetable stock out of them as well. So there's so many things we can do to reduce 
the food waste that we're already um, contributing to. And so composting is great, but composting still in some ways should be the last resort because we should be eating what we buy. That is a great way to end our podcast. I, as always, have found so much value in the things that you say. And before we go, can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah. So Joyful Vegan, joyfulvegan.com is my website. I am there. I am on Instagram and Facebook. So on Instagram, it's Joyful Vegan as well. And Facebook, it's my name, which is uh, more annoying to spell, but uh, Colleen Patrick Adres Facebook. Um, if you just search for me, you'd find me there. So yeah, I'm online. I'm available. Happy to answer any of the questions people have and, and definitely encourage people to listen to the different podcast episodes on these topics. And I'm excited. Thank you both so much. And Tony, I'm really excited about what you've shared. And I know you're doing so many fabulous things in your, in your back garden there. And I can't wait to see what you're going to be doing, Michelle. I know you're, you're, you're starting to, and it's, it's super exciting to see the development in your, in your yard. But, um, but thank you. I've, I've learned so much from you and I always love talking to both of you. I will be coming to you with lots of questions, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But this already has left me so inspired. I think a big thing is just a lot of times we move forward with life and don't think about these things because it's non-urgent. But it really is a lot more urgent than we give it credit for. This is our planet. We only have one of them. This is our home. And uh, we, you know, to take care of the resources that we bring into our life and the trash that we're putting out is very, very important. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, Colleen. It is always such a joy to have you on on the podcast. And we will link all of your other podcast episodes for people who want to go deeper into these topics, as well as your blog posts and your written content, everything you have about composting, because I'm sure people are going to leave here wanting to do something to take some kind of action. Mm -hmm. So Colleen has done so much on this and you are in good hands, dear listeners. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you both. Have a great night. A quick reminder before we sign off to check out our sponsors for this show, Better Than Bouillon, which you can find at your local grocery store in the soup section or at betterthanbouillon.com. And of course, Pedal. Thank you once again, Pedal, for sponsoring the show. You can find them at drinkpedal.com. Get your bubbly fizzy water on. So delicious. Try their rose flavor, their lychee rose, anything like that. Check them out at drinkpedal.com. I, (laughs) as I mentioned in the episode, learned a lot. Definitely did not know that putting my food in the garbage disposal did not just make it disappear (laughs) into whatever is good in in the earth. (laughs) So thank you, Colleen. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And if you are interested in connecting with Colleen, we are going to put all of the links in our show notes at plantpoweredpodcast.com. Yes, I hope you guys took a lot away from this. And if you found value in the show and would like to support it, it would mean the world to us. We do have a place where you can support the Plant Powered People podcast on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash plantpoweredpeople and become a supporter of the show. So thank you so much to all of our Patreon supporters who have been supporting us already. It means the world. And for those who are listening and unable to support or just not interested, even just listening means the world to us. Sharing this episode if you know anyone who might be interested in composting. And you can find tons more episodes to inspire, motivate, and help you through tough times at plantpoweredpodcast.com. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you in the next one. Bye. Bye.